Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. Matthew 28, 16-20 Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, Welcome to New King this morning. I'm Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and before we get started, I feel like I need to confess to you, uh, your, your pastors are sinners, uh, we um, all are, and sin has consequences, and the consequences of my sin is that this morning, uh, my voice is pretty weak because I lost my ever-loving mind watching a football game last night. Uh, so thankfully, you came to the first service, the second service is really going to have a treat. So, um, so yeah, we'll get through this. So today we are uh, on the last day of our series in our, uh, about our mission and values uh, that we feel God has given us here at New King Church. Uh, so you'll remember that two weeks ago, Ben uh, began with our mission statement. That is that New King exists to help as many people as possible find and follow Jesus. If you were here last week, Eric preached on our first two values, Jesus and hospitality. The entire message of the Bible rests on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The Bible is a story about Jesus. Everything we believe rises and falls on who Jesus is, what he came to do, the fact that he died, and the glorious truth that he rose to life, defeating death. And here at New King, it's our aim that everything we do uh, that G- in everything that we do, that Jesus be lifted high and everyone who comes to this place will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Eric also talked about hospitality. I love how he defined hospitality. He said uh, that hospitality is seeing people and going to them. When we look at the life and the ministry of Jesus in the gospels, over and over and over again, we see Jesus seeing people and going to them. And that's what we're called to do. People are not commodities. People have in their very DNA the image of God, and it's our calling as believers on the Lord Jesus to see them and to go to them with the gift of the gospel of Jesus. And so today we're going to look at our last two values. Those are depth and multiplication. That is to say that we at New King here believe in deep discipleship. God has revealed himself to us in his word, and we want to be deep students of that word. Further, we believe that every single disciple has been called to make other disciples. In order for us uh, to help as many people as possible find and follow Jesus, we must multiply our efforts in discipleship. We want to be a church that plants other churches. We're not amassing for ourselves in this location a kingdom, but rather we want to see thriving churches in the greater Burlington area and Vermont and around the world when the lost put their faith in Jesus and grow in discipleship. 
In December of 2005, I was a sophomore at Union University, and I had the opportunity to travel over the Christmas holidays on a mission trip to China. And early on, on in the trip, we had the opportunity to go to this Buddhist temple that was just down from where we were staying. Uh, and it's an experience I will never forget. Uh, we were way up north. Uh, it was freezing cold the whole time we were there. And so this temple that we went to, it was for the most part open air, but it was entirely suffocating the whole time we were in it. It was the first time that I had really been exposed to Buddhism in this type of way. It wasn't like this cute, fat, happy guy sitting on the counter at the Chinese restaurant back home. These figures, these idols, they were demonic and yet entirely lifeless. In January of 2007, I had the opportunity again to travel to Kathmandu, Nepal. Uh, In Nepal, we worked with Tibetan refugees. So once again, I found myself surrounded by Buddhist culture. And in the center of the community uh, is what they call a stupa. It's this huge, white, kind of domed building. Uh, it's a center uh, for uh, Buddha, Buddhism, for uh, Buddhist worship. And at the top, in the middle, is like this steeple-type structure. And on every side of the steeple, north, south, east, and west, uh, it has Buddha's all-seeing eyes painted on it. It was in Nepal that the Lord called me uh, to missions. And so in the fall of 2008, I moved to China, and I worked with uh, the Zhuang people group. Uh, The Zhuang are animist, and so that means that they think that inanimate objects have souls in them. And then there's also this like weird ancestor worship kind of interwoven in all of that. And so many of the Zhuang people who live out in villages, uh, when you go into their house, they'll have these god shelves on their walls. And so that's kind of where they keep their idols and their pictures of their ancestors that they worship. Psalm 115, starting in verse 4, says, Their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot fill, feet but cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throats. People give their lives to gods made by human hands. Gods who cannot speak, who cannot see, who cannot hear, who cannot smell, who cannot feel, who cannot walk. John, in his first letter to the church, says this, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed. And we have seen it, and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you, so that you may also have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Brothers and sisters, we serve a God who has a mouth and speaks. He has eyes and can see. He has ears and can hear. He has a nose and can smell. He has feet and can walk. John is declaring the testimony that God himself came down from heaven. The God who made the heavens and the earth clothed himself in humanity and he dwelt among us here on earth. And John says in his gospel, We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. To those who received him, he gave the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of, of the flesh, are of the will of man, but of God. And those of us who are believers, together we take a collective sigh of relief. Thank God we know him. 
Thank God we serve the God who speaks. And yet, so often, our hearts functionally declare that Jesus is just some God we have up on a shelf on the wall of our hearts. We open the Bible. We struggle a bit. We say, I cannot understand this. As believers, we ignore the Holy Spirit in us who illuminates Scripture for us, so we close it back and we declare in our hearts that God has a mouth, but He cannot speak. We live lives of blatant sin. We never stop and think that God sees even the thoughts and intentions of our hearts, and we declare in our hearts that God has eyes, but He cannot see. We attempt to pray, but we don't have the faith to ask. We declare in our hearts that God has ears, but he cannot hear. In the book of Habakkuk, the people are in exile. God is using Assyria and Babylon to bring about judgment on his people. The kingdom is in shambles. The entire nation has turned to idolatry. They live wicked lives, and yet they wonder in their hearts, what are God's purposes in this world? What is our final destiny? Habakkuk says in 2.14, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord's glory as the waters covers the seas. Brothers and sisters, a day is coming when the knowledge of the Lord's glory will fill the earth. God's glory will cover his creation. World history is headed toward the kingdom and presence of God here on earth. J.T. English in his book Deep Discipleship says this, The prophet Habakkuk is pointing us toward a future day when God's infinite glory will cover everything. He is showing us that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is the goal of deep discipleship. It is the goal because this is the future to which all world history is pointing. But the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is also the fuel of deep discipleship. It is the fuel because his presence alone is going to get us there. Brothers and sisters, we don't want to live lives who treat Jesus as though he's some functional idol in our hearts. That's why we here at New King value depth and multiplication. We serve a God who is knowable, who has made himself known to us, who through the deep study of scripture invites us into a friendship with him, a friendship that says, I know God and God knows me. In his book, Knowing God, which, by the way, is the second time Knowing God has been quoted today. If you're a believer in the West, you should read Knowing God. J.I. Packer says this. He gives a list of helpful questions. He says, what were we made for? To know God. What aim should we set ourselves in life? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? The knowledge of God. What is the best thing in life, bringing more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else? Knowledge of God. What, of all the states God ever sees man in, gives God most pleasure? Knowledge of himself. We do not have to wait for eternity to know God. God has made himself known to us today. Here at New King, we value depth because God in his infinite, boundless vastness has made himself known to us. Our entire aim in life should be to continue to plumb the depths of the knowledge of God. So let's dive into our third and fourth values, depth and multiplication. It's been a minute uh, since we read Matthew 28, so I'm going to read it again. 
The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. In this passage, I see six characteristics of a discipleship uh, that I want to share with you this morning. So I'll go ahead and tell you what those six are. I know some of you are note takers and you get mad at me, so we'll go slow here. Uh, number one, disciples worship Jesus. Disciples worship Jesus. Number two, disciples observe the commands of Jesus. Disciples observe the commands of Jesus. Number three, disciples make disciples. Number four, disciples go where Jesus tells them to go. Disciples go where Jesus tells them to go. Number five, disciples go under the authority of Jesus. Disciples go under the authority of Jesus. And number six, disciples are never alone. So let's jump into the first one. Disciples worship Jesus. The Gospel of Matthew gives an account of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, who is the promised Messiah and King of the Old Testament. The story Matthew weaves through his gospel proves that Jesus is Emmanuel, that is, that he is God with us, and he is the triumphant king who defeated death through his own death and resurrection. And when the disciples meet here on this mountain in Galilee, there is only one response that they have to Jesus, worship. The highest aim of a deep disciple of Christ is to fall down and utter worship. Listen to what Paul says of Christ in Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Again, Paul, speaking of Christ in Philippians 2, Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." Jesus is worthy of our worship. He is God. By him, all things were created. He holds all things together. He is the head of the church. He is the beginning. He is firstborn from among the dead. He has first place in everything. He has made peace through his shed blood on the cross. He came as a suffering servant. He was obedient to death. In response, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. Jesus is the Lord, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is worthy of our worship. 
It is not enough to simply know God. To truly know God is to worship God in his splendor. The disciples spent three years with Jesus. They listened over and over as he explained to them who he was. At times, it seems like they understood it. At other times, it seemed like they were absolutely lost. And yet, here on this mountainside in Galilee, they behold the risen Christ, and the only appropriate response to him is to bow and worship. When deep disciples spend time with Jesus and the word, they can do nothing else other than respond to him and worship. Before we move on, I want to leave you with a warning. Many disciples... Some of us in this room even are more concerned with collecting facts about God than we are in letting the knowledge of God lead us into worship. Jesus isn't something to be collected like a book of stamps or baseball cards. The vastness of the knowledge of God should leave you in inexplicable wonder and worship. The Bible is no doubt a fascinating book of literature. But if you find yourself more interested in consuming knowledge about God or more intrigued about the structure of the Bible, then brother or sister, get in the Psalms and glory in the Lord. Wake up and watch the sunrise. Go sit on a bench by the lake and watch the sun dip down behind the mountains. Let your heart sing and worship to Jesus. The Bible says of itself, it is living and active. Don't treat it like the other books on your shelf. It is the very word of God. Let it lead you in worship to Jesus. Second, disciples observe the commands of Jesus. In order to fulfill the great commission, that is to make disciples who followed the commands of Jesus, we must be following the commands of Jesus. Disciples, first and foremost, are students of the word. We must be in it, reading it, putting it into practice. The very first command Jesus gives us when we believe is to be baptized. It's so important, it makes the cut right here in the Great Commission. Baptism is important because it symbolizes identification with the person of Christ and inclusion into the body of Christ. You do not have to be baptized in order to be a Christian, but once you are a Christian, your public declaration of faith in Christ necessarily involves baptism. Understand that the New Testament knows nothing of unbaptized believers. When you read the book of Acts, continually you will read, they believed and they were baptized. Once a new disciple is baptized, they continue to follow the commands of Christ. But why? Listen to John 14. In John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking to the disciples on the night he would later be betrayed and arrested. And he spends a great deal of, a great deal of time describing to them the coming Holy Spirit. He says to them, beginning in verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. The commands of Jesus are not just a to-do list we must check off. They are an invitation to a relationship with God himself. It is the Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside of those who believe, who enables us to follow the commands of Christ and to form a deep relationship with him. Brothers and sisters, if you find that you are not following the commands of God or you're unwilling to follow the commands of God, you need to ask yourself if you truly believe in Jesus. You need to stop, repent, and follow his commands. 1 John 2, verse 3 and following says, This is how we know that we know him, if we keep his commands. 
The one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly in him, the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Well, over a decade ago now, I served at a church in Arkansas. And to be honest, it was one of the worst experiences of my entire life. It was just a really bad situation. I left less than a full year in. I was treated horribly uh, by the guy who was my supervisor. And I left with a, a lot of anger and hate in my heart. And several years ago, I was studying 1 John, and I came to 1 John 2, I immediately began to feel conviction, particularly down in verse 9, which says, the one who says he is, in, he is in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. I went home from that Bible study. I opened my email. I immediately emailed the guy a long confession and apology. I wanted to repent of my sin and move on. I knew that I had been having these feelings in my heart towards a brother, but more importantly, I realized that it was impacting my friendship with Jesus. Brothers and sisters, heed the commands of Christ, not so that you can clean off your to-do list, but so that you can know Christ intimately. Third, disciples make disciples. We sometimes treat the Great Commission here in Matthew 28 like it's a new command. But I want you to listen to Matthew 4, beginning in verse 18. As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, Jesus, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Y'all, to follow Jesus has always been about fishing for people. Matthew frames his entire gospel message with the message that to follow Jesus is to make disciples. There is no exception. The Bible does not make a distinction between introverts or or extroverts. It makes no no distinction of any kinds in regards to what letters or what numbers you are on any given personality test. It makes absolutely zero qualifications. To follow Jesus is to make disciples. Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2 says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Brothers and sisters, let me ask you this. If you are not making disciples, what on earth are you doing? Listen to this quote by Dawson Trotman from his book, Born to Reproduce. It's a long one, just stick with me. The curse of today is that we are too busy. I'm not talking about being busy earning money to buy food. I'm talking about being busy doing Christian things. We have spiritual activity with no productivity. He continues, The gospel spread to the known world during the first century without radio, television, or the printing press because the writings of the apostles produced men who were reproducing. But today... We have a lot of pew sitters. People think that if they are faithful in church attendance, put good-sized gifts into the offering plate, and get people to come, they have done their part. If I were a minister of a church and had deacons or elders to pass the plate and choir members to sing, I would say, thank God for your help. We need you. Praise the Lord for these extra things you do. But I would keep pressing home the big job. Be fruitful and multiply 
All these other things are incidental to the supreme task of winning a man or woman to Jesus Christ and then helping him or her to go on. Brothers and sisters, the task of making disciples in Chittenden County alone is far too great for you to treat church like some kind of Christian entertainment or a social club. There are a lot of wonderful benefits to coming to church, but God help us when we gather in this place and the only goal we have is to become obese in our spiritual lives, consuming Jesus and never making disciples. You might be asking, well, how do I do that? The formula is right here in Matthew 28. David Platt describes it in three actions. He says, first, share the word. That is, we speak about the gospel as we live according to the gospel. Number two, show the word. We baptize them. We talked about that one already. I'll keep going. Three, we teach the word. That is, we don't just receive the word, but we reproduce the word. Here's the Nathan Singh translation. Make disciples, proclaim the gospel. When they believe, dunk them, then teach them to do what the Bible says. Brothers and sisters, to be a disciple is to make disciples. Fourth, disciples go where Jesus tells them to go. <clears throat> Jesus tells us to go and make disciples of all nations. Here's a little Greek for you. The word here is, of all nations, is pantata ethne, to all ethnicities. It's not simply to nations or countries like we think of in a geopolitical map, but rather to individual tribes, families, clans, and peoples. The common words today we use in missiology is people groups. When you ask the United Nations, there are 195 recognized countries in the world. When you look at that on a people group scale, there are 11,000 people groups spread across the globe. According to the International Mission Board, of those 11,000 people groups, there are currently 3,000 that are unengaged and unreached. When a people group is unreached, it means that there are less than 2% evangelicals in their population. When a people group is unengaged and unreached, that means that there is not currently a gospel presence of any kind. And when you look at the numbers, every single day across the globe, 157,000 people die without knowing Jesus, many of whom have no access to the gospel. Disciples of Jesus go where he tells them to go because they understand two very important things. Number one, they understand, as Carl F.H. Henry said, that the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is exclusive. The only way to the Father is by believing in the Son. We go where Jesus tells us to go because if we don't, the world will continue to die having never heard the gospel of Jesus. They will spend eternity in hell separated from God. Paul in Romans 10 beginning in verse 14 says, How then can they call on him they have not believed in? How can they believe without hearing about him? How can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Here at New King, we believe in multiplication because we believe that there are people who are created in the image of God in our community and across the globe who have not heard that God loved them in such a way that he sent his only son to pay for their sins, that on the third day he rose to life, and through the finished work of Christ, they can have eternal life with God. 
We believe in and we value multiplication because we believe Romans 10, that they cannot call on whom they have not believed in. They cannot believe without hearing. They cannot hear without preaching. They cannot preach unless they are sent. Brothers and sisters, I speak on behalf of your six elders. If you are willing to go and you can preach the gospel, we will send you. Second, disciples go where Jesus tells them to go because we've read the book. We know how it ends. Revelation 7, John says this, starting in verse 9. After this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Brothers and sisters, we go to the nations because Jesus wins. The expansion of the kingdom of God into the hearts of people around the world is a winning call. Do not misunderstand me. It is not an easy call, but rest assured the call to go to the nations is one in which the people of God win because the lamb who was slain has already won it. There will be a day when people from every tribe, nation, and tongue will gather before the throne of God, and they will cry out together, salvation belongs to our God. Fifth, disciples go under the authority of Jesus. When Jesus gathers on the mountainside with these disciples in Galilee, before he gave him a command, he gives them this statement. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is a fulfillment of uh, the prophet Daniel. In the book of Daniel 7, 13, and 14, it says, I continued watching in the night visions, and suddenly one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. We've already read Philippians 2.9, but I'll read it again. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The entirety of the Great Commission rests on the authority of Jesus. You and I do not have the authority to make Jesus Lord over us, Jesus' lordship over all things has been given to him by the Father through the completed work of the Son on the cross. And a day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Matthew in his gospel shows us at least six ways in which Jesus has been given authority. He has authority over nature. He rebukes the wind and the seas calm. He has authority over disease. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are healed. He has authority over demons. When Jesus speaks, the demons flee. He has authority over sin. He often heals by saying, get up, your sins are forgiven. He has authority over death. When Jesus speaks, the dead come to life. He has authority over life. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. The Great Commission is not an easy calling. Two weeks ago, Ben reminded us 
that the call to go is risky. The world is not safe. But make no mistake, your father has given your older brother complete authority over every square inch of it. I will never forget the day I landed in China when I moved there for two years. I landed in a place that was absolutely hostile to the gospel. And with my held high, my head held high, I handed my passport to the customs agent. He stamped it and I walked into that country. And my life could have been over. It's the danger that it, it, it was going there. But I knew, regardless of how hard the Communist Party of, of China tried, my father owned that place, and I had come under his authority and his calling. Finally, disciples are never alone. After establishing his authority and giving his command, Jesus says one of the most comforting and encouraging things in all of Scripture. He says, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Through the incarnation of Jesus, we see that he truly is Emmanuel, God with us. As a believer, you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive inside of you. There is no higher calling than the call to make disciples, and there is no truer companion in doing so than the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Brothers and sisters, you are never alone. In Genesis 18, Abraham has three visitors who have come to destroy Sodom. It wasn't too long ago since we were in this passage. In, 18, in Genesis 18:17, the Lord says, "'Should I hide what I'm about to do from Abraham?' Abraham is to become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. God is saying in this kind of narrative side, Abraham and I are friends. I must tell him what I'm about to do. Brothers and sisters, true disciples of Jesus are friends with him. He has made himself known to you, and he has let you in on what he is doing. The Great Commission is a call to partner with God and to be brought into the mission of God. Through the authority and presence of God, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything Christ has commanded. All right, so three Sundays of sermons on the mission and values of New King. And you may be asking yourself, so what? What do I do with this? I'm going to leave you with three action steps. Number one, believe the gospel. If you're here and you have not believed the gospel, I invite you to believe. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but God in his infinite mercy and grace sent his son Jesus to pay for your sins through his death on the cross. On the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, defeating death and granting eternal life to all who call on his name. Some of you in this room have heard the gospel a lot. You're holding on to something, though. It could be any number of things. Maybe you don't actually believe that God is good. Maybe you're unwilling to let go of something in your life you hold dear. Whatever it is, I implore you this morning to lay it down at the foot of the cross. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Believe, ask God to give you the faith to believe, repent of your sins, and follow him. And number two, be all in at New King. For those of you who call New King home, 
It's time to be all in. For some of you, that means a renewed commitment that's been there for some time already. Recommit to serve, recommit to your community group, start a D group, commit to our mission and values. Ask yourself, how are you living out our values of Jesus, hospitality, depth, and multiplication? For others of you, you love New King. You're here every Sunday. You're in a community group. It's time to take the next step and to join New King. It's time to serve. What area can you serve here at New King? How are you going to join us as we make disciples? And for others, you're here, but you're not really committed. If you're honest with yourself, you may be here until something better comes along. You're here most Sundays, but you're not really committed. And I implore you, it's time to commit. We want you to join a community group. We want you to, to sign up to serve. There's a tendency in Christian community here in Vermont to go from Christian activity to Christian activity in the area. And Christian activities are good. Christian friendships are an absolute gift from God. But the New Testament makes a hard case for the local church. And we want you to find a place and to plug into that place. And I'm a little biased, but can I just suggest to you, New King might be that place. Number three, be a disciple maker to the nations. If you've been a believer for any amount of time, it's time to start making disciples. For many of you, that starts in your very own home. Guys, if you're married and you have kids, you need to lead your family in discipleship. Proclaim the Bible, or proclaim the gospel, teach the Bible. If you're a parent, you need to make a plan and be intentional about raising disciples in your house. For the rest of us, we need to come alongside families here at New King. We need to serve with kids. We here at New King, your elders, we want to start a student ministry. We want to come alongside parents with teenagers. One of you has to step up and lead that. Others of you have to join the team and lead alongside that. And for most of us, being a disciple to the nation starts at, uh, in our neighborhood or at work. How can you share the gospel? Who can you share the gospel with? When they believe, are you willing and able to make them a disciple? There are new believers here at New King. You don't have to have all the answers to disciple. You just have to be in the word. Are you willing to make disciples here at New King. For others of you, you need to write a blank check on your life and you need to lay it down at the altar. God has a unique calling on your life to make disciples among the nations. You need to tell him, yes, whatever it is, we want to help you go. This often starts on a mission trip here in 2024. We have two opportunities. One to Moldova, which is primarily a medical trip with an emphasis on kids, and also to San Diego. In addition, there are disciples to be made and churches to be planted. Chittenden County, Greater Vermont, and Greater New England are all in desperate need of more churches. Maybe the Lord has called you to pack up and go somewhere else that needs the gospel. There are cities in the western United States that are growing at unprecedented rates and are in desperate need of biblical gospel-centered churches. There are places in the world that have no access to the gospel. Entire people groups that have not heard the good news of the gospel and have no way of hearing unless you leave this place, you pack up and you go and you tell them. Has the Lord begun to stir in your heart a desire to see the nations and to, be, uh, to see the nations believe the gospel? Then it's time to get up and go. Two times in my life, I have packed up all of my worldly possessions and I have gone to the unknown. 
And I stand here as a testimony to the words of Jesus that all authority has been given to him and you will not be alone. There has been no greater joy in my life than listening to my father and going where Jesus has called me to go. Join us on this mission to help as many people as possible find and follow Jesus. Together as the community that is New King Church, live out our values with us. Make much of Jesus. Live hospitable lives. Be a deep disciple. And let's multiply disciples and churches from Burlington to Beijing. Pray with me. Father, we recognize the privilege to go to the world with the gospel. Father, we want to be deep disciples who believe and who go. Father, we are so grateful that you have made yourself known to us. Prick our hearts, Father. Help us to want to know you more. Help us to plumb the depths of the knowledge of God in our lives. Give us the desire to be in the word to live out the word. Father, we pray for a day when Chittenden County is not known as a place that doesn't have a lot of believers, but it's a place that has so many believers, it's unbelievable. Father, we trust and we believe that you are calling the lost to you, that you are saving. God, we pray that you would save in this place. God, we pray that we would be obedient to follow. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.